This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Happy Thursday to everybody tuning in right now. It is Season 2, Episode 1, which means we will be moving to two episodes a week here on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can tune in to our episodes anywhere you get your podcasts from. If you're joining us from Season 1, and if you listen to us Season 1, welcome back to Season 2 of the tip of the iceberg if you're joining us for the first time here today welcome my name is nick berlansky as always i'm joined by nick horwat horwat how's it going today buddy it's the holiday season officially i know i mentioned it at the tail end of monday's episode but yes i now permit you to celebrate christmas i'm going to try and put as many christmas sweaters in my background as possible i will try and uh wear one as much as possible maybe uh <laughs> we're, you're probably not going to videotape this but the sweater i'm wearing right now lights up so Hey, you'll just have to bring it back on when we do an interview. It was in the background of the last episode, so if anybody watched live, you saw it already. I'm just now wearing it. <laughs> there you go, buddy. And now everybody, of course, allowed and permitted yes. to celebrate Christmas and to be excited for Christmas from Nick Horrock. But oh, it we also, have a lot to talk about If you about celebrate today. something oh, other sorry. than Christmas, uh, sorry. Uh, happy holidays to you. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Exactly. All the yeah. other things. I should have been inclusive the entire time, but... Uh, we all know what drives the buck in America, I guess. <laughs> exactly, man. Anyway, continue. But here on episode one of the second season of the Tip of the Iceberg, we are going to talk about a way too early Seattle draft expansion preview. We're going to talk about who we would protect as of right now and who that leaves open and possibly available for the Seattle Kraken. And of course, we're going to finish off our episode with the shout outs and call outs. That's the new schedule for us. Penn's poll will go every Monday as per usual, but shout-outs and call-outs will be reserved for every Thursday episode here on the Tip of the Iceberg. So let's get into the expansion draft talk. It seems only like a couple years ago we were talking about this with the Vegas Golden Knights, and of course we even paid Vegas a second-round pick to ensure that they took Marc-Andre Fleury, which I don't think we would have had to do. It actually ended up working out for them pretty well in that first season, and now... Well, who knows how that's getting taken care of for that tune into our Vegas nightly show here on the Hockey Podcast Network. But during that expansion draft, the Penguins were allowed to protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie. So that is how we're going to be approaching this expansion mock draft. Horwat, before we get started, one other caveat that I don't know if you remember but you have to protect no-move clauses, which is easy for the Penguins. Only three of them exist, and I'm pretty sure the Penguins would want to be protecting them anyway. But also, first and second year professionals are exempt from the expansion draft. And right now, that includes John Marino, who will be exempt from the expansion draft after this season. As well as, of course, everybody that has yet to play in the NHL, including Sam Poulan, P.O. Joseph. Those guys we don't have to worry about. So... With that in mind, Horwat, let's talk about our list of people that we are protecting at this moment in the expansion draft. Let's start with, are, did you do the seven forwards, three defensemen? Yes, I'm just, okay. as we speak. I just wanted to make sure of, we were on the same page with that. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, the other one I believe is 
eight forwards and a goalie or eight skaters and a goalie. We could be wrong. Correct us if we are. Either way, we're going forward with this. Um, I'm assuming you wanted to do forwards first. Yeah, let's start it off with forwards. And realistically, there's three pretty easy ones. And that includes Crosby, Malkin, and Jake Ensel? Yeah, that would be my three very easy ones. Two of them, first of all, because they have a no-move clause and they have to be included in the protected players. But I would feel like Jake Gensel is untouchable in all rights, especially the expansion draft. Absolutely, without doubt. I mean, he could be the future of this organization. The progression he has been building with Crosby is incredible. He is someone that, even without the no-movement clause, it makes his contract great. But it's just it's a protectable player. It's something you someone you want to hold on to, and you know you want to keep him around as long as possible, no matter what. Yeah, and the fact that two years ago he has over seventy points and over forty goals. Last year he has over a point per game in the twenty some the forty some games that he played last year. I think it's pretty easy to say that after the season, Jake Gensel is going to be part of those untouchables and part of those protected players for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And luckily for them, the last time this came around, it was right after his first season. So he was part of that exempt list, as I mentioned earlier, which right now consists of John Marino. Uh, the big is the big name on that exempt list, but Jake Gensel, this time the Penguins will have to be protecting him heading into the Seattle expansion. Now Horwat, that leaves four more forward spots open for you. Who do you have? And we'll see, I'm sure a lot of ours are similar. So read us down your final four and we'll see if we have any discrepancies. All right, so my final four, whenever I first, I wrote a story on this a long time ago. You want to talk about way too early predictions. At that point, I had Galchenyuk was still on the team. I was not protecting him, but that's just how old that is. But for now, <laughs> right now at this moment, I'm protecting Rust, probably Kapanen again. Or not again, but probably Kapanen because we haven't seen him yet. It just seems like a protectable player. I'm going to go Teddy Bluger because of future reasons. Depth yeah. pieces are nice to have around. He's a hell of a defensive forward. And Jared McCann, because he's a little bit cheaper than what he could be, I guess. I don't know. But then anyone else we could protect who might get taken taken out. Yeah, so you have McCann basically on there because he is a player that is not getting paid what his value is, is, is what you see, correct? Yeah, it's just, it's nice to have keeping depth pieces around. He is someone you could play anywhere. He might get the chance to play in the first line again this year if the other person I'm keeping, Kasperi Kapanen, uh, falters mm -hmm. a little. It's just, we have a very weird team to try and make this decision with right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it, it is difficult because after that top tier of Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, there, there is some decision making there. And sorry, run that by me again. You're, you're four. You had Kapanen, McCann... And then who else? Uh, Bluger and... Rust. And Rust. Okay, yeah. I, for some reason I didn't hear Brian Rust, but yep. I was about to say, I mean, Brian Rust was a 20-goal scorer last year, could be a 30-goal scorer this year. So, nonetheless, I, I agree with three of those four. I thought there would be a discrepancy between the two of us. I didn't think it would be where you mentioned it, which was having Teddy Bluger instead of Jason Zucker is who I'm protecting in, in that instance. I think Jason Zucker is a guy that is extremely good for this Pittsburgh Penguins team. And yes, future reasons, you want to keep a guy like Teddy Bluger, especially a center like Teddy Bluger on this team. But at the same time, I don't protect him. I thought you would say Brandon Tanev over Jared McCann. That's where my final decision was. I thought it was easy Zucker, Rust, Kapanen, 
mainly because I feel like Zucker and Rust are part of those untouchables, that second tier of untouchables for general manager Jim Rutherford. I thought Kapanen because, yeah, Jim Rutherford just acquired him. He's 24 years old. He's on a pretty good contract. A lot of it depends on how he performs this season with Sidney Crosby and if he gets moved down. And basically how he performs this season is going to tell us whether or not he's going to be protected. But as of right now, I would protect him mainly because you just traded basically a crap ton for him. So I would say, yeah, you protect him. But my final thing was between Tanev and McCann. I didn't even give credence to Teddy Bluger. I honestly feel like if he's one of the guys that's left, he's one of the guys that Seattle would be smart to take and we'll get into who's left and who we think they would be taken. But I was between McCann and Brandon Tanev. And the reason I chose McCann over Tanev, yes, as you mentioned, his contract has him technically undervalued, but also because he's four years younger than Brandon Tanev. And when you want to talk about age, Tanev is 28. Tanev's contract is longer than McCann's. It does help with money. He is younger. He has more room to improve. And I think McCann overall, once the Crosby era ends, you're going to want more players like McCann than you're going to want more players like Brandon Tanev. You're going to want more players that can put pucks in nets. And yes, I think Tanev can do that very well. So uh, I think Tanev might put up 15 goals or at least on a normal season would put up 15 goals this year. But I have my final four as Zucker, Rust, Cap, McCann. So I made a huge gaffe. Uh, the second you said Jason Zucker, I realized what I was doing <laughs> wrong because, so I mentioned, I wrote a story on this a long time ago when Galchenyuk yes. was still in the lineup. I was and reading. Zucker obviously wasn't. Yes. So I was par- partly reading from my list I had there. Mm-hmm. I was trying to quickly write it down. And I was also trying to look at our current roster. And when, you know, when your last name is Zucker, you're at the bottom. He was not on my screen, so I could not see him in our roster and he completely slipped my mind so i'm okay. going to quickly replace him with bluger everything else stays the same okay so <laughs> basically we have now we have the exact same yep. checklist okay well it's not everything has to be faded gray some things are black and white and to us apparently the protected list for the pittsburgh penguins is black and white and i expect it should be the same for the defensemen We both protected three defensemen. If John Marino is already exempt from this expansion draft, your protected list to me is pretty obvious. And that's Chris Letang, Marcus Pedersen, and Brian Dumoulin. That is exactly what it is. I don't know the credence of the first and second year players thing. I don't, I think right now John Marino is exempt, but I think after next season, he's technically a third. Because it's still, no, I don't think so because it's still technically considered that years from what I'm considered because you still have to pick from restricted free agents and unrestricted free agents on that roster, yeah. I feel like. And I don't I mean I don't know the rules of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that all works. Yeah. But I mean, let's be honest, if we had if it has to be flipped, we're just taking Pedersen out putting Marino in, correct? Yeah. Alright, so yeah, it, either as way, much as I like same. Marcus Pedersen, I don't like him as much as Marino. Yeah, either way we're the same. Who am I getting at? Latang, Dumoulin, and Pedersen slash Marino. I think that's why yeah. you're putting it. I and we could look the into way the way I saw it was yeah. sorry. So we can look into the exacts of it. Yeah. I just don't know how it works right now. It's also far down the line. Maybe that's why we don't know the exact rules of it all. You know, we haven't yeah. really looked into it. But yeah, those three slash four for sure. What do you want to do? You really want to protect Mike Matheson? 
No, no, that's <laughs> I a think guy. That's the last thing you want to do. Yeah, that's the guy you are. You're, you're adding that draft pick to Seattle. Like, hey, here's a. No, don't do that. Like, I get that it's not a good contract. I get that Mike Matheson has an awful contract, but we haven't seen him we'll play see for the Penguins yet. First, yeah. It could be a half decent. Like, he's never going to live up to that contract, but he's always going to live up to the expectations we set. If we set the same expectations we have for Jack Johnson, exactly. And we've discussed this at nauseum on this show back in season one. Go back and tune into every episode of season one and try to find that for us. I mean, just <laughs> go do that. But, I mean, if you look at the defenseman, and the reason I, I say John Marino is exempt is because of that first and second year player rule. And the reason that I know that is because I went on the Cat Friendly Simulator and he was considered exempt on that. So that's what I'm rolling with right. as of right now. Rules could change. Plans could change. He might not be exempt, but as we mentioned, you slot him in for Pedersen. I think Pedersen is grossly undervalued by a lot of people that watch the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that includes some of the writers. Some of the writers understand he is a defensive defenseman. He is a Brian Dumoulin Jr., but not to the level of Brian Dumoulin. I think Marcus Pedersen is probably the most underrated player on the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. You're not totally far off. I think he's had his gaffes, and everyone's kind of blown him up for it. But you're going to make mistakes. I mean, hell, we see people blow up Chris Letang every other day. It's Things are going to happen on the ice that no one is perfect out there. Sidney Crosby is not perfect out there. Randy Malk is not perfect out there. They're going to have their mishaps, and it's going to happen. The idea is just to not blow them up and make sure that they're not happening all the time. Pedersen may have had a bit of a longer streak, and it's something you don't want to see, and maybe he has to work on consistency. But that's something you want him to do with you. He's still a great defenseman who can become a consistent great defenseman with this team. He's only 24, isn't he? Isn't he our age? Yeah, he's, well, I'm not quite 24 yet. But I yeah, just, he, he's I around just said our 24. age. You're older than me. But, I mean, it's he's only 23 or 24. He is our age. He's still, a, I feel like a kid still. He's still a kid out there in comparison to some of the guys he's playing with. And he's playing with another actual kid in John Marino. He's the youngest player on our defense core besides John Marino. Yeah, so he's still got room to grow, got room to learn, and who knows what kind of defenseman he could be. He came over as a good two-way guy. Who knows? Maybe he blossoms into a phenomenal offensive defenseman one day. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's yeah, just I... a good puck mover, or maybe he's a straight you know, defensive defenseman, a Brian Dumoulin type. He's got the same body build, mm -hmm. minus a chin. But it's, it's all the same style. It's something that those two are very similar, play a similar style, and it works. It's a great defenseman to have, especially on the second line, and he's not getting paid a ton of money, so it's perfect. Right now, a lot of Penguins fans are very confident in our top two defense pairings for one reason and one reason only, and that is Marcus Pedersen and John Marino's pairing. Because, yeah, we've always been confident in Chris Letang and Brian Dumlin, but... Not until Pedersen came did we actually have confidence in a second pairing there. He came and he was played with Justin Schultz in his first season. Played extremely well. He was boat tied to Jack Johnson at times and still happened to play pretty decently. Yeah, his numbers dipped, but everybody's numbers dipped with JJ. So getting a chance to play extended minutes with John Marino, those two guys to get together and play together on that second pairing with hopefully Dumoulin and Letang healthy above them. That's going to be very helpful, and especially you look at Matheson and CeCe, who are probably going to start out as the third pairing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Both of those guys are going to be left open for Seattle to take. I don't expect them to take either CeCe or Mike Matheson, especially considering Mike Matheson's contract, unless 
they're really short under the the minimum salary cap floor, which I feel like they'd probably take somebody else in that case instead of Mike Matheson. But obviously, we don't even have to talk about goalie all that much. Tristan Jari is the goalie you're protecting. Yep. I mean, it, it's not an argument to have anymore. It's not a mm. it's not a conversation. It used to be a conversation. It used to be the biggest hot button issue in Pittsburgh when we had two valuable goalies. I'm not saying Casey Smith isn't valuable. I'm saying. I mean, they're not. No one's gonna take him. He's valuable as a backup, and with the goaltenders that are probably gonna be available for Seattle, I highly doubt Casey DeSmith is high on their wish list. Yeah. So that's why Tristan Jari is probably easily the goaltender to be kept for the Pittsburgh Penguins and to be protected for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So let let me read down this list. Considering both of our lists ended up being the exact same after a couple of tweaks to years. Yeah. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, Jason Zucker, Brian Rust, Kasperi Kapanen, and Jared McCann are the forwards that we would protect. Defensemen Chris Letang, Marcus Pedersen, and Brian Dumoulin, with the caveat that John Marino does indeed yep. qualify for the players' exempt list, and goaltender Tristan Jari. That leaves open a couple of interesting names, and I only have four down here because, like we mentioned earlier, Casey DeSmith, is there any credence to him being a target? Maybe, not very much. Mike Matheson, only if they need to hit the cap floor, and that's the direction they want to go. Cody Cece, I don't see that happening either. I have four players down here as viable options for the Seattle Kraken to want to take if we don't have to throw a pick, which I don't think we should. No, we shouldn't. These four players, Brandon Tanev, Teddy Bluger, Sam Lafferty, and Yuso Rikola. Horwat, if you're the Seattle Kraken, and we just ran down the list of players that are protected. Who do you go and pick up from the Penguins? You know what? I might be partial to go with Yusa Rikola there because we saw what kind of team Vegas built. And here's the thing. You know how many comparisons are going to be made between Seattle and Vegas for this draft? Thousands of them. A bazillion. Because they're all going to say, we see the kind of team Vegas built. Rikola is a weird defenseman in that, yes, he has a ton of, a decent amount of NHL experience. He is still someone young who can grow a lot in this game. It's an interesting player and he's got a smaller contract. And again, I don't know. We don't know what other picks are going to hold for Seattle. We don't know what the contract structure could be, but if it is at all something where they're able to kind of pick anyone, they're going to pick a lower contract. So they have the ability to make big signings in an off season. Maybe or make a trade or two, because that's what Vegas did very well. They made their picks, and then they canned half of them for better players. But with this one, I would, I'd be partial to go with Rikula, because I don't know what the defensive market's going to look like. That is a good, solid depth, depth defenseman who could grow into a second-line defenseman. You never know. He's cheap. He's You're not paying him Brandon Tanev money, nor are you taking on that, that modified no-trade clause. So you're yeah. really step because my other pick would be Tanev. That'd be my second pick. But you look at the contract, you look at the clause, and you look at the the style he plays. You're locked in after a couple seasons, and you're fucked. But with Ricola, it's only a couple of years. I think by then it would only be a year. So you see what you get. If you don't like him, trade him, extend him a little bit, can him, do it, do whatever you want to do. But for now, he's my go-to pick right away because it is a low contract he has a lot of room to grow and i don't know what the defensive market's going to look like the forward market is almost always wild because that is where all the overpayments happen that is where all the 
skill per se is. That's where your scoring is going to come from. There's going to be a huge microscope on the forwards this time around. And with the thousand comparisons to Vegas that are about to be made, Ricola fits a mold for that, I think. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I, I really didn't see Ricola as a viable option for Seattle, mainly because I feel like there is going to be a pretty good defensive pool to choose from. I mean, right now we're seeing, again, now more than ever, there's a lot of good defensemen and a lot of teams that have a very good line of defensemen that are in their system and on their organization. And the thing is, you can only protect three defensemen. Yeah. So unless you have a bunch of exemptions, you're going to run into some issues. Like, yes, if the same thing happens for, who am I thinking of? John Marino, Adam Fox from the Rangers is exempt. I don't know how it would fit with Quinn Hughes because he played two seasons ago. I don't know how it would fit with Kale McCarr because he played in the playoffs two seasons ago. So it's really all something that we're going to have to wait and look at Cat Friendly's simulator for me to understand, basically. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of defensemen out there. That's why I don't think general manager Ron Francis is going to go with Yuso Rikla. I think he'd be looking for a forward from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And before I tell you who I would go with, we mentioned very briefly, and we skimmed over it that we would not be paying a draft pick for them to take a certain player let them take who they're going to take because especially where you're at in your organization now i understand that when that last draft happened we were coming off of back-to-back stanley cups we were very much in the middle of a massive cup run we were trying to go for the three-peat so yes we wanted to protect the goaltender that just won us a stanley cup and we wanted to keep that team intact so we said you know what take Marc-Andre Fleury he's our second best goaltender at the moment we'll pay you a second rounder that made sense and a lot of other teams did the same thing they said you know what we like the team we have how about we pay you to take this problem how about we pay you to take this guy instead of this guy we saw how that worked for Florida I was gonna say, we lost huh? Jonathan Marcheseau and Riley Smith to the Vegas Golden Knights who both ended up being two of their best players I think a lot of teams this time around with Seattle are not going to be going hand over fist to try to give Seattle somebody to make sure they take the right player off of their team. And I think the Penguins should follow suit. Just let them take who they're going to take. And that's why I think if I was Seattle, I would take Teddy Bluger. The hardest thing to do as an NHL franchise right now is to basically make sure that your center depth is where it needs to be. Yeah. We've heard so many times you win Stanley Cups through good goaltending and center depth and Teddy Bluger who is let me look this at this really quickly he's on a pretty decent contract it's expiring right now but he's only getting paid 750k so even if he gets a raise it's not going to be that much but he's 26 years old that's in the prime of his career that's exactly what you want if you're an expansion team like the Seattle Kraken okay we sign him to a two-year deal we get him through the beginning of his prime and then if we need to dump him we can dump him if not he's at the height of his tradeability right now he's a 26 to 28 year old solid bottom six center if we need to trade him we can trade him it's a tradable asset and as we saw with vegas that's what these expansion teams are probably going to try to do yeah that's a good choice too i mean because that because teams won't be handing over just everything they can to get players out it's just going to make it for make for a different sort of almost fantasy draft like picking like um this whole time we're having this conversation i'm thinking the second we're done here i'm gonna go hop on nhl 21 and do this because i haven't done it yet i haven't tried the 
the expansion draft feature yet. I mean, Seattle I didn't is, know that they had that on that this year. Every year since the Vegas one, it's in there when you start a franchise mode. It's do you want to start okay. as the franch as the expansion. expansion? Seattle logos and jerseys and stuff is not in the team or not in the game. But it's but you can still be an expansion team. You can mm. still be the 32nd team. I think the year before Vegas came out, they said, do you want to be the third? They had it. Do you want to be the 31st team? Yeah. And they just kept it in there. Yeah. So it's okay. still in there. So I'm, I'll go give that a shot after this. I'll send you the results. If you want to do stuff with it, you can. Sure. Uh, it's always fun doing, honestly. <laughs> it's because the game is stupid sometimes. And this one seems really stupid. I might be able to get some gold out of it because I started the be a pro mode. Mm. Um, this is just quick tangent I'm going on. I started the be a pro mode. My character went first overall to the New York Rangers, but also so did Lafreniere. <laughs> oh, that's messed up. Yeah. If you look it's at It's almost the... like getting the second round pick one year and the first round pick the next year, also getting Artemi Panarin. Oh. Yeah. Actually, it's really funny because if you go into the details of like our careers, we're both mm. picked number one overall in 2020. Yeah, that seems like a glitch in the system. The game's messed up. I don't want to restart because uh, I'm playing on his line and we're killing it. Um, but <laughs> I digress. Uh, back to the expansion draft. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. It's, it's. I feel like it's going to feel more like a fantasy draft where you're only getting a player and we're not giving you anything else because we see how it worked out for Vegas. Mm-hmm. What Seattle is going to have to do is, I think, do what Vegas did very well, and that is take some players – not re-sign a bunch, but then make some trades to really amp up who they're getting and really mm-hmm. make their depth and their stars really bolster because a lot of people are going to lock up those stars. I don't think you're going to see the the James Neal exposed or who was another big name that was exposed. It's all escaping me now. William Carlson was exposed, but he wasn't really he a wasn't big a star name at yet, the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Shea but, Theodore, again, same thing. Not a star yet. Now he's a Norris contender. Yeah. So yeah, but I feel you're not gonna see like a James Neal exposed this time. I think if, if there's gonna be a, some names in there, but it's gonna be there's gonna be different levels. Like you're not gonna like the James Neal was up here. It's not gonna be like A to B grade anymore. We'll see though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing for Seattle. It, it kind of sucks for them because the blueprint was already exposed, and people are gonna try to get away from what they did to help Vegas become the team that they really were yeah. and the team that they have been. I mean, three years, three playoff appearances, I believe two Pacific division regular season titles. So there's going to be a lot of people that are going to try to do the opposite of what they did for Vegas. And, and Seattle's going to have to get creative when they go to pick and stuff. I don't think they're going to get the excess of picks of draft capital that they were, that yeah. Vegas was given in that 2018, 18 or 17, 17, 17 expansion yeah. draft. But As we move on here on the season two premiere of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, we're going to close it out in the second segment as we are going to close out every Thursday episode, and that's with our shout-outs and call-out segment. But before that, we're going to have a couple bills to pay. Listen in. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. 
featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Listen to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast, your one-stop shop for Islanders news, analysis, and opinions, featuring the biggest personalities in sports podcasting, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. That's right, TJ. If you want your opinions viewed through orange and blue-colored glasses from an Islander bobo and charter member of the Inlui Trust crowd, You'll love the measured commentary from TJ. On the other hand, if you want the unvarnished truth of a hockey purist, a genius, a legend, and an all-around great guy, the grumpy old man's insane ramblings will be just what you need to survive each and every week. An all-around great guy? Well, we also have weekly installments of Stump the Grump, an absolute fan favorite. Make sure to participate in our live streams and listen every Monday and Thursday to the bi-weekly podcast. You can find the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Season 2 premiere. My name is Nick Berlanski. Of course, as always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat. We just finished up a discussion about the 2021 NHL Seattle Kraken expansion draft. The first of, I'm sure, many conversations we're going to have about that expansion draft. Horwat. We're getting to shout-outs and call-outs now to finish off this week's episode and finish off our Season 2 premiere. Of course, as always, shout-outs and call-outs presented by CoolHockey.com. Visit CoolHockey.com slash THPN. Use the promo code THPN for 30% off your new favorite hockey jersey. Horwat, let's start out shout-outs and call-outs Season 2 with shout-outs. I'll let you kick things off. So this is kind of an old one because this is the first time me and you have recorded in a while. It's the first time we've been able to discuss shoutouts and callouts as well because we it went on a little bit of a hiatus last episode. But both of my shoutouts involve Pittsburgh athletes, or I guess I should say Pittsburgh sports that aren't Penguin sports related. Um, and this time I'm shouting out Trevor Williams of the Pittsburgh Pirates, formerly of the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, for being one of the most entertaining players that team has had in a long time. I'm not going to talk about his play on the field because it was subpar to say the least this last season. But, hey, a season before, he was one of the better pitchers on the team. What stood out to me is with Trevor Williams is his Twitter is incredible. <laughs> when he was doing his goodbye tweets to Pittsburgh, um, he went into some further thoughts. No, I will not unblock you. <laughs> uh, Trevor Williams is amazing for blocking people, I guess. I have a full storage unit in Wexford with household items. Is, is there a charity or home I need to... Ah, I'm so bad at reading. It's not about charity and his stuff and his uh, Wexford storage unit. I just want to get to the fun one, which was, uh, lastly, please tweet me and let me know when the construction on 279 is completed. I've seen it. (laughs) I've been watching it slowly for the last four years, and I feel emotionally connected to it, and I have never connected to something so much in my life. (laughs) Uh, Trevor Williams was one of the bright spots of this team. I think even the Pirates had a nice little... Uh, send off video for him and it had nothing to do with his play it was all just the fun stuff he did no matter where he goes there will be some Pittsburgh fans rooting for him I know that and one of the best uh, Trevor Williams moments was the uh, the game he was throwing a no a no hitter 
and his father was in the crowd taking and his father was stealing the show almost in the crowd uh mm-hmm. taking score and just fist bumping every out and being a great father and then leaving the game whenever clint hurdle decided to take him out in the middle of a no-hitter yeah, I, I certainly don't remember that. I really don't remember much of the Pittsburgh Pirates for the past four years, but a name that I do remember is Trevor Williams yeah. and, of course, his Twitter at Mayamo Trevor. He was always hilarious, and, and the Pirates use him the way that you would expect a major league organization to use a gem like that off the field, and they put him in front of the spotlight. They put him on their social media every chance they got, and the guy was a true class act, and I loved Every time they put something up of him, even though I, I really struggled to be a Pittsburgh Pirates fan the past couple of years, but he was always genuinely one of the funniest dudes on the team, one of the most entertaining guys on Twitter, in interviews, and everything in between. And yes, although last season wasn't great, as you mentioned, the dude was one of the top pitchers for several years for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I get that's not saying much, but at the same time, he was a consistent number three starter in their rotation in 2018 when they were having at least a half decent season so farewell to trevor williams and you did a good job in shouting him out because if not i was going to oh really all right do you need a second one because i have a backup who's also a pirate no no i I didn't actually write him down as a shout out but uh i I do have another one and did you have another one you wanted to talk cole tucker for having the biggest w in the pirates organization since this the only w since 1979 (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Everyone knows but, what I'm talking about. I don't need to go into any more detail. Yeah, if you don't know what he's talking about, Google it. I'm sure you'll find it. But my shout-out goes out to David Prowse. Now, of course, if you don't know who he is, it's because he is the most unsung hero of the history of unsung heroes. He passed away on Saturday at the age of 85. He was the body, not the voice, of Darth Vader. And if you didn't know that, now you do know that. Of course, James Earl Jones was brought in to dub over the voice and as I said, he is literally the word-for-word definition of the term unsung hero. I mean, to anybody that likes Star Wars and everybody that's listened to this show before knows that I'm a huge fan of Star Wars. Horwat, you as well like Star Wars. This guy played one of the most historic characters in the history of cinema. And I guarantee you, when I first said his name, not that many of you actually knew him. I'm sure there's a lot of people that knew him by name, but not a, that many people would be able to to answer that question. So best wishes to his family. Uh, rest in peace to him as well. The reason he chose to play Darth Vader over Chewbacca was because, quote, you always remember the bad guys and Darth Vader will never be forgotten as long as basically anybody lives. Darth Vader is one of those historic characters. And unfortunately, it is synonymous with James Earl Jones and not David Prowse. But something needs to be done with that. And this is hopefully a little bit that points toward that direction. I mean, the guy was also a former weightlifting champion before his movie career. So little interesting facts about David Prowse. Like I said, passed away this past weekend at the age of 85. Rest in peace to him. Thoughts and prayers go out to his family. And yes, he is the definition of the term unsung hero. Yeah, he really is. I mean, the fact that he could have been him or Chewbacca is great because (laughs) the actor who did play Chewbacca was like seven foot something, wasn't he? Yeah, and David Prowse was also six foot six. Okay, that makes. I figured he'd be tall if he was also offered to play Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people forget that there were people, like actual humans, in those costumes, and obviously Darth yeah. Vader, there'd be a human in there. No CGI. Yeah, but I'm talking like 
R2-D2. There was a man in that thing. <laughs> That's, yeah, him and C-3PO as well. Yeah, C-3PO, there was a man in that thing. <laughs> Darth Vader is probably the reason why I started watching Star Wars in the first place. Granted, yeah, you know him for James Earl Jones. I saw the headline that he had died this morning, and even right after you said, like, I saw the headline multiple times at work this morning, and you said the name, and I still was like, I know the name, I know it, I just can't pin it. You're right about the unsung hero thing. That's just one of the most iconic movie roles of all time, and it is, it's not remembered for the wrong person, but it's not remembered as two people, basically. Mm. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and it should be. If you haven't already, look up David Prose and really learn his story because it is a crazy story. He was also in a movie, The Clockwork Orange. Oh. He had his minor role in that as well. That's where he was found in that by George Lucas, and that's why George Lucas went and went up to him and asked him to play it. So uh, rest in peace, thoughts and prayers to his family. And, you know, hard right here, but let's move on to call-outs. And Horwat, what is your call-out this week? <laughs> The NFL media, the NFL, the NFL, <laughs> the NFL this, the NFL that for just, I'm not going to get into the Ravens. Not going to get into all that. We're recording this on Sunday. We honestly, we don't know if that game has been played yet. But At this current moment, no. Yeah. It's scheduled for Tuesday, but who knows. But at this current moment, at this very moment that we record this, the Steelers are 10-0. and 0, Yes. Right? Okay, fine. So it's not the best 10-0 and 0 team of all time. Who cares? We're still 10-0. and 0. It's the that, only 10-0 and 0 Steelers team. Exactly. We're still currently holding on to a perfect season, and there has been no love, none at all, anywhere, given to anyone on this team or the team as a whole. Nothing on Ben's comeback season and showing what he can still do in this league. Nothing on Chase Claypool being the top, no, not one of the, the top effing rookie in this league. Joe Burrow got hurt. He's out of the discussion. Oh. The, the Chargers suck. Why is that quarterback in this discussion? Who else is there? CD Lamb is good for the Cowboys, but the Cowboys suck. Uh, this whole team's getting no recognition. Every week I watch these little short video videos called Gridiron Heights, which mm -hmm. is like little recaps and fun ways of the week in the NFL. The Steelers have not been mentioned at all the last three weeks. None. They're, they did their annual MVP race. You know how many Steelers were in that video? Zero. Yeah. You know how many times Lamar Jackson was in that video? A couple. Yeah, it's something that, Horwat, I, I know you haven't been the biggest football fan But this your year life, I am. <laughs> but this year you are. And, and I will tell you as somebody who has been, if not just as much, I, I'm more a Penguins fan than I am a Steelers fan. But again, my love for both teams is really high. This is something that happens all the time. Even when they were winning Super Bowls with Palomalu for Super Bowl 40 and Super Bowl 43 with Santonio Holmes. They weren't talked about until they got to the dance. And, and it, it won't happen again until they get to the dance. Now, if you want Pittsburgh Steelers talk, if you want a quote-unquote national media outlet to talk Pittsburgh Steelers, I suggest you tune into the Pat McAfee show. That's what I do, mainly because he's from the Pittsburgh area, so he likes to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. He talks about the Indianapolis Colts. Really, they talk about the entire NFL, but that is where you get actual Steelers coverage. They talk to Ryan Clark a lot. They talk to Ike Taylor. They talk to... Even players of the current team, Robert Spillane, was on there last week. But if you want Steelers coverage, that's where you go because the NFL, they're not going to talk about them. They talk about them on NFL primetime, which is what I watch every week with Boomer and right now Booger McFarlane. They talk about them. They're obligatory three-minute video clip, and, that, and that's about it. But, hey, 
that's the Pittsburgh Steelers' life. I know you're you're really getting into it this season, but you gotta get used to it. They don't get talked about very often in the I national understand. spotlight. I understand it, and I th- like there was there was a time in my life where I was a huge Steeler fan. I think just watching them not not that they were a bad team, mm-hmm. but I just think watching them struggle for a couple years set me off, and I don't know. I lost touch with football for a little while, and I'm still not the biggest Steeler fan. I'll be honest. I mean. I was a Peyton Manning fan growing up. I'll start there. Do I like the Colts? Eh, yeah. Do I like the Broncos? I like their quarterback this week. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the Broncos, and you're talking about the COVID situations and everything like that. That was going to be one of my call-outs this week. I mean, how do you have all four quarterbacks on the roster placed on the COVID list? I mean, it's real easy whenever three of them don't wear a mask around the other one that ends up testing positive for COVID-19. Oh. So this is a reason... I mean, come on. How easy is it to wear a mask? You're getting paid millions of dollars to wear a mask. Some of you are backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, that is awful. That is, what, Monday Night Football? I I don't know if this is trademarked or not, but come on, man. Like, put a mask on. That's all you need to do. Yeah, I mean, that also goes, if we're going to keep the Steelers' ties to it, that's what goes for that strength and conditioning coach in Baltimore. Yeah. My God, you just ruined your team. And you know what the funny thing is? I'm not saying they should forfeit. I'm not. I think if Denver didn't forfeit, I don't think Baltimore will. Right, but the game should Now, there's a lot more players on Baltimore right. that have tested positive and that have been put in, in the, the reserve yeah. list. But, I mean, if the Broncos literally had to upgrade a wide receiver from the practice squad that played college football for Wake Forest and was a quarterback at that point, then I feel like you could play as the Baltimore Ravens with some practice squad players. I mean, the Raven, the Raiders last week had eight players miss the entire week due to the practice on their starting defense and still went out and played pretty well against the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Uh, might I note that the uh, the Broncos lost 31-3 to today? Yeah, well, they were also not a good team to begin with, and they were playing the Saints. So uh, let's, let's not get into it too, too much there. But uh, before we close it out, my call out this week, it was going to be the Denver Broncos and the Baltimore Ravens because of what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. But... I have a separate one, and since I moved, I've been living currently, and I currently live, on the 11th floor of my building, so obviously I take the elevator whenever I get home. My call out this week goes to anybody that has really poor elevator etiquette. I don't know if elevator etiquette exists anymore. Uh, When I first started going to college, I moved to downtown Pittsburgh, and yes, Mm -hmm. you gotta get used to taking elevators, and it does get frustrating, but some basic things that I've noticed. When there's an elevator broken down one of two elevators that we have in a 13 story building how are you going to hold the elevator for five minutes on the ra- on the seventh floor of the building five whole minutes you're just going to sit there and i expected oh maybe they're painting maybe they're doing some maintenance maybe you know somebody's moving nope just one guy one guy that was irritating enough then of course like noticing people you, you have to let people off the elevator before you try to get on it. You, it's going to be quick. You might pass through them, but if you block the way for people getting off the elevator, that that's a dick move. Don't do that. That is that is one of the worst things you could do. Like be nice enough and be patient enough to let them get off the elevator. And the other last thing that I want to mention is if somebody is at the elevator before you waiting, you, you let them on before you do. Especially if you jump in front of them and now the elevator is full and the person that's been waiting there for who knows how much longer because you weren't there doesn't get on the elevator and has to wait for another 15 minutes for the elevator. Uh, that's that's crappy on your part. So, you know, my call out this week goes out to anybody who has awful elevator etiquette. 
it, it is really just me giving you a TED talk about how irritated I was the past week. Because these were separate instances too. It, it's not like that happened all at once, which my mind would have probably exploded, but separate instances. And unfortunately, I've yet to find a stairwell in this building to get up 11 floors, which would be a pain in the ass. But at the same time, at least I'd have an option. It's a, and at least it's not the 15 that we lived on freshman year of college. Exactly. And whenever I say college, I was going to mention... Yeah, we learned elevator etiquette uh, in college. There were posters all around campus at all times for it. Mm -hmm. uh, me, you, and Jesse Marshall went to Point Park University. Ayo. Learning how to use the elevator is something that was legitimate. Not taught, but those posters that were It was preached. It was taught. Why do we expect people to listen to those posters when they don't even listen to the wear a mask posters that are out now? Got them. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end it. I mean, we, we, we've complained for long enough here at the end of this episode. So that is going to do it for the season premiere of season two of the tip of the iceberg. You can tune in anywhere you get your podcast from Horwat, Any last words before we let the folks go? Uh, I got nothing. I think uh, it's Thursday. This is coming out. So welcome to season two, everyone. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if there's not a lot of news happening, get, get used to a lot of bullshit like this. I mean, there has to be some news coming up eventually, man. We, we got to keep our hopes up. Hopefully news comes out for the start of next season because we are getting dangerously close to that target date of January 1st. Yeah. Less than a month now. Yeah, we are. Hopefully we have some answers by the next time we come to you on Monday. If not, we'll find something else to talk about. We'll figure it out. We got all kinds of stuff we can ramble on about. Definitely. So we'll see you guys on Monday. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.